Hey, everybody, before we get started, our show is being sponsored today by Blue Chew. Blue Chew, can you believe it? Uh, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan and be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive, you'll receive the prescription within days. You'll be ready to go. The best part is it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Um, so listen, uh, check it out because they always say first impressions are important, but more importantly, a lasting impression. So Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. I mean, how simple is that? Uh, and we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Harland at checkout, just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo Harland, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast today. Thank you, Blue Chew. And now let's get going, rolling down the Harland Highway. You're riding down the Harland Highway. All right, hold tight on the Harland Highway show. Harland Williams. A one, a two, a one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, well, now, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's right. I don't care if you say it in Cajun. I don't care if you say it in, in the gold's proper English. I don't know if, I don't care if you use a fancy British accent and I don't care if you use the Cajun but however way you say it uh-huh, now that right well now that's right, isn't it? However you say it, that looks you're on the Harland Highway podcast, okay? Now that's right, mm-hmm How you doing, folks? Wow, good to be back. Uh, as you know, we missed last week. I had to play a, a repeat episode of the Halahawa Paka uh, because yours truly was away. I was away doing something um, that I've always dreamed of doing. Uh, I was away directing a feature film. Um, it's a movie that I wrote. It's a movie that I directed. It's a movie that I'm starring in. Um, a little bit of history on the movie. I didn't originally want to star in it because directing and writing was enough, but it's such a unique character that I kind of whittled down my choices and I realized sort of at the end of the day, it was maybe only me who could play this character. So I ended up deciding to jump in front of the camera and man, oh man, uh, tough a lot of work directing and acting in and writing your own film. Holy God, like talk about not having a millisecond to think. You're just boom, 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 boom. You're dealing with wardrobe. You're dealing with, with the art department. You're dealing with uh, hair and makeup. You're dealing with props. You're dealing with lighting. You're dealing with the uh, director of photography. You're dealing with locations. You're dealing with vehicles. You're ve dealing with... The other actors, you're, you're dealing with your own lines. It's, it was just insanity, but wow, what a fun challenge. What a great challenge. The movie's called Wingman, and it's basically about a wingman, a professional wingman played by me, who helps guys that can't score girls score girls. He does it for a living. Um, so I won't tell you too much more about it. Uh, we're we're going to be jumping into the editing process and all that stuff uh, really soon here. 
but a really fun cast. We had comedian Russell Peters was in the movie. Uh, comedian actor Jamie Kennedy was in the movie. Just a great, great cast. And uh, for those of you wondering, because there's a bit of activity online, I did ask Bobby Lee to be in it for one of the roles, and Bobby was amazing. Without even reading the script, Bobby goes, yeah, I'm there. When do you, when do you, when do you want me? What do you want me to do? And what happened is the movie kind of kept getting delayed by a little bit. And in the end, the timing didn't work out uh, to have Bobby in the movie, even though I wanted him in and he wanted to do it. It just, things just didn't fall into place. So regretfully, Bobby's not in the movie, even though he was um, signed up for it. So hopefully we'll have Bobby in the next one. Because, you know, I love, I love me some Bobby Lee. Love me some... Even while I say in Cajun style, I love me some Bobby Lee, man. That was sort of Jamaican. I love me some Bobby Lee, man. I got me some Bobby Lee Rasta rumba blood clot, man. Um, so there you go. That's why we were away. I had to play a, uh, a repeat. And speaking of Bobby Lee, I played the Bobby Lee on repeat because uh, that's my top episode. And uh, I thought uh, it's one of my earliest episodes. Um, it's the most viewed episode. And I thought, you know, there's probably people out there that never saw it. It was a great episode. And uh, so that's the one I put on replay. And uh, sounds like people seeing it for the first time really loved it. And people who uh, had already seen it are watching it again. So there you go. Um but uh, let's switch gears. Let's jump in. By the way, I want to show off this T-shirt before we get going. Um, look at this. One of the, one of the fans of the podcast. Let me move the microphone. Um, they drew, they drew a T-shirt for me. And if you look, it's the astronaut sitting right here on my desk, and it's the kooky wooden head. There's the wooden head guy. There's his eyes, and then there's the kooky astronaut. And um, this was sent in by a fan. He, I guess he has a t-shirt company called Banana Bros. Banana Bros. B-R-O-S. And uh, they're not official endorsement uh, people for the show, but I want to I wanna just give them a shout-out because this, this is like, I think this is hand-drawn onto the shirt, kind of doing what I do with my homemade t-shirts. I think they, they airbrushed or, or drew right onto the shirt. And so um, my, my thanks to the Banana Bros. Um, great job. I love the shirt. Very representative of the Harland Highway Podcast Studio. And uh, so check out the Banana Bros. I believe they have a website. And uh, they have all kinds of wacky, cool, um, custom-style T-shirts. So thanks, guys. Thank you for sending this. Um, I love the creativity, man. Great job. Um, so there you go. But let's get into the pod. Um, let's get into the potty pod. I want to talk about, you know, it's always sad when people pass away, obviously, right? Nobody wants anyone to pass away except maybe Hitler and people from people of that ilk. And that is a weird word, ilk. Does It sounds sort of like some kind of like rare mountain goat. You know what I mean? Like, it's like in the in the Himalayas or up in up in the somewhere in the mountains in Iran. There's the wild ilk. Oh, look at the wild ilk! Is that even how people talk when they see an ilk? Well, it can't be the way they talk because an ilk doesn't exist. So the way I just talked is not even part of reality. And at this point, if I were you, I would shut this podcast off because clearly I'm, a, I'm not even centered in reality and I'm clearly using up your time. But if you do believe in the great mighty ilk, um, <laughs> and there you go. But let me circle back on the back of my ilk. Um, we never want people to pass away and someone we kind of all probably uh were charmed by and and enjoyed and and someone who brought laughter and merriment into our life is um is our good friend from uh from friends matthew perry and uh he just passed away and so tragic at the age i think he was 54 when he passed away and um it struck a personal chord with me because i knew matthew 
and um, I heard a lot of his his um, his uh, his book. He wrote a book, and he he put it on audio, and somebody uploaded it onto Instagram and TikTok, and so I kept hearing all these little passages from his audio book, and a lot of the, uh, the the material was centered around his movie, The Whole Nine Yards, which is a movie that I had the pleasure of doing with him, him and Bruce, Bruce Willis and Michael Clark Duncan, another guy who passed away way too early, and now Bruce Willis, who hasn't passed away, but I, I from what I've read and seen, he's, he's in the, the deep throes of some kind of a degenerative uh, ailment. I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or what it is, but it's like, my God, you know, it just seems like, you know, a few years ago, here I was doing this movie with these guys who are at the, you know, the pinnacle of health, and now two are gone and one is, is you know, receding. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's very... Um, it's very poignant when when people you have can personal connections with start to drop off and and drift away. And so I thought I'd take a moment to talk about Matthew. Um, such a funny, uh, energized guy. Um, you know, we have a bit of a history that started even before um, we did the whole nine yards. Um, I did a, a pilot way back when. I had a sitcom called Simon, and my co-star was Jason Bateman, and I remember Matthew Perry and the Friends gang. They came to the, the taping of the pilot, and I met Matthew back then. And then um, and Matthew and I uh, actually shared, I don't know if that's a, a, a the proper term, but we... We both dated the same girl for a certain time. So I don't know if you say we shared a girlfriend or we, you know, we were with a girlfriend. I don't know what the terminology is. It's just just words. And so we had a connection there. But then when we got on the set of um, The Whole Nine Yards, I'll never forget the first day I saw him, he popped out of his trailer and I was walking over to the hair and makeup trailer and he was like, hey, Harland. And uh, I was like, hey, how you doing? And big smile on his face, twinkle in his eyes. And the first thing he said to me, it was such a nice compliment. Uh, something about Mary had just come out. And, and uh, he said to me, he goes, how does it feel to be in the number one movie of the summer and have the best scene in the whole movie of the number one movie of the summer, something about Mary. And I was just like kind of, I was just, I was blown away. It was, it was a compliment enough that he just said, how does it feel to be in that movie? But then for him to single out my moment in that movie, which wasn't very big um, as the best scene to him, no, I'm not saying it's the best in the movie, but clearly to him, he enjoyed it. And I was just like, wow, well, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to say that. And so it was um, it was such a nice, a nice thing for him to say and uh, gracious. And, uh, you know, sometimes people in the entertainment industry have egos and they're not always quick with the compliments or propping someone else up and and he was he he did that right on greeting me on the set of that movie so it was really great and I remember being on set with him and and Bruce and Natasha Henstridge and Michael Clark Duncan and Kevin Pollack it was it was quite the ensemble cast and everyone having fun and many of my scenes were with uh were with um Matthew and Bruce and uh, Rosanna Arquette and uh, I just remember the camaraderie. I remember the joking around that he did with everybody. And um, I remember one night, me, him and I, we went out together. We went out uh, drinking together. It was just me and him. And we went to a bar in Montreal. And we were out like all evening and, and having drinks and just laughing at the time. You know, I always go through these phases where I where I have sayings. I have stupid sayings that I like to do. I think we all do that, right? You all have little catchphrases that you get hooked on for a few weeks or a few months, and then they drift away. 
Well, as fate would have it, during the shooting of the whole nine yards, I was hooked on this stupid saying where I just, after everything, I'd say, you should meet my dad, right? So it'd be like, you know, someone could say anything. It's like, hey, what a beautiful day. And I'd say, you should meet my dad, you know? So I was in that phase, and I started saying it on set, and in particular to Matthew, and he just, it, it, it tickled him pink for some reason. And so he started saying it. And so now <laughs> here we are out drinking or on set. And every time anyone said anything, me and him would just, you, you should meet my dad. Hey, that was a great take. Oh, you should meet my dad. Hey, when's lunch? Oh, you should meet my dad. So we, it just kept going and going. So we had a big laugh. And I guess the thing I'm, I'm circling into this conversation about Matthew is, you know, it just goes to show how deadly addiction and the destruction it causes is because when I listened to Matthew's audio book, he talked about, well, being on the whole nine yards, being very um, dependent on pills and drinking his brains out and and getting hammered all night and coming to set hungover and taking pills to pick him up. And, and here's where it's such a deceptive disease um, is I never, I never knew it. The whole, the whole movie, like I didn't know that he was an alcoholic. I didn't know that he was taking pills. And then I almost feel guilty the night we were out drinking together you know, yes, he was drinking, but I just took it as he was drinking. I didn't realize by his own words that he was just a hammersmith, that he was just cranking them, that he was addicted, that he was an alcoholic, a severe alcoholic. I didn't know he was doing the pills to to go up and down and, oh, my gosh. And, and that's what uh, really fascinates me to a degree that that was not obvious to me. Because he just seemed like funny, quick-witted, charming, like, you know, all-around great guy. Not that he wasn't a great guy, but but there was no indication that, to me at least, that he was having any issues or problems. It, it's amazing how it masks itself or how well people can mask it. And upon hearing his, his book and just hearing how deep he was into it and how much it was controlling his life and how much he was dependent on it. I'm like, wow. It's just weird to know that I was in a weird, guilty way that I was sitting there with him engaging in his poison, you know? Like I wasn't forcing him to drink, but just knowing that when I took a drink, it was just a drink and I rarely drank. So it's just like, oh, hey, drink, fun, laugh, off I go. I probably drank again eight months later. That's how rarely I drank, maybe even more. But to know that from his secretive side, it was like, hey, you drank, boom, this is my 17th one today, and I'm going to have another 10 tonight, and I'm having 25 tomorrow. And I'm, it's just like, wow. It's a weird sort of guilty thing. Not that any of it's my fault, but it's like if I knew then what I knew now, uh, I don't know, what have I even gone out for a drink with them? It, it's just such a weird, it must be such a horrible place to be in. And and it breaks my heart because you know that him dying at 54, however it happened, it probably just wasn't today his body gave out. It was probably a a long, long journey of him abusing his body because you can't just drink like that and take... 20,000 pills or 100,000 pills and, you know, 300,000 drinks without degrading your system. I mean, it, it's slowly got to be doing damage over the years. And and you know that, that that stuff catches up to you. It's just the body can't sustain itself with that kind of abuse, that constant abuse. And so, yeah, it's with great sadness that I... I heard that he had passed away. It seemed like he was sort of on the road to healing and recovery. Although the sad reality is with addicts like that, you never know if it's real or not. And, you know, he said it himself in his book that I think he was in rehab like 30 or 40 times, maybe more, maybe a bit less, but 
the number of times that addicts often participate in rehabilitation and then break it, it almost leads to this pattern where people on the outside looking in never really know if they're recovering or on the road to recovery. And someone once said to me once, who's, who, a, a woman I know whose husband was, a, was an addict, she said, you know what, the problem with addiction is you're always just one party away from it all going away. I don't mean dying, I just mean all the sobriety that you may have put in, whether it's three months or three years or 15 years, it's just one party away from all of it dropping through the floor. And it's, it's, uh, boy, oh boy, it's a sad and and horrible spider web to be tangled up in. So um, I don't, I don't want to sit here and, and just be Mr. Downsy with, uh, with Matthew. So I'll end the conversation on a, on a bright, fun moment that we had. You know, Matthew was a Canadian boy like me, and so I was very proud that he did so well and that he was so talented and, and so funny. And when we were up in Montreal, obviously the locals were crazy about him because he was a Canadian boy. And on one weekend that we had off, uh, there was a local water park. I mean, this thing was huge. It was half the size of Disneyland. I, I've never been in a bigger water park. It had... It had the log rides, it had the slides, it had this. It, I mean, just to turn that park on probably cost, you know, $300,000 a day just to turn all the water on and all this and that. And and one day Matthew called my room and he goes, hey, man, what are you doing today? It was a Saturday or Sunday. I said, I'm just hanging out. And he goes, you want to go uh, to the water park? And I go, sure, I'll, let's go to the water park. So I go down, he's got a, a stretch limo waiting and uh, we get in, it's, it's him and um, Amanda Pete and uh, a couple of his friends. And uh, we get in this stretch limo and we drive for an hour to the outskirts of Montreal. We go to this water park, huge, massive water park, completely closed down. Okay? This thing, they shut it down just for Matthew. <laughs> it was like, you know, talk about star power. Like, I couldn't believe it, but they were overjoyed to have them there. So here, here is this water park that probably sees, you know, thousands and thousands of visitors a day. They shut it down so six of us could just run wild at this water park. And everything was on. All the water was coming down the slides and all the whirlpools and every... I mean, it must have cost them a fortune. But th- this is how adored Matthew Perry was. And... uh and in closing, I just want to say, you know, by being with him, by being fortunate enough to spend time with him, to, to engage in comedy with him, to do a movie with him, to know him in real life, um, it was truly a pleasure, and he'll be sorely missed. And uh, RIP to uh, our good friend, Matthew Perry. Whew, heavy, heavy. The kid came out of the gate heavy, on the Harland Highway, throw another H on the Harland Highway, H, heavy, the heavy Harland Highway. But, uh, you know, it's just nice that there's people that are put on this earth that bring joy to us. You know, I I threw Hitler's name, another H, there's four H's on the Hitler's Harland, no, we're not doing that. But there's people that bring darkness into the world, like the Hitler, the Hits, And then there's people like Matthew who bring joy and light into the world. And thank God for people like him who who is talented and gifted and has the ability to make us laugh. I always say that laughter equals joy. Joy is laughter. And so here's a guy, despite his own darkness that circled around him, he was able to channel his humor and his abilities to bring us joy, even though he was very often in a cloud of darkness. And that's, in a way, that's quite the sacrifice. It's, it's quite the uh, generous thing that he did. Um, and wow, amazing. But um, it all goes back to health, mental health, physical health. Uh, Matthew was, uh, uh, from what I heard, was an extremely good tennis player. I'd heard from other friends that he'd even talked about at one point in his life trying to get into the pros. 
which is great. I play a ton of tennis, and it's not an easy game. So for him to apparently be at a, a higher level of that sport, amazing. But uh, that's all about physical health, mental health. They sort of go hand in hand. I, I find that if you engage in physical health, it, it's, it usually supports your mental health. I think the uh, endorphins or the saliva or the glaclanolioids or the symbiotic galunkatites or the dang I'm just making up words. I'm not a doctor, gang. I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, but you didn't know. See, you didn't, hey, I'm, I'm trying to raise my schleilenoids. You don't know if that's real or not. What do you know? You're not a doctor either. Guess what? Uh, just this morning, I got my flimdolometer and took a uh, clognite count of my uh, blood tetronchicles. Is it real, isn't it? You don't know. Did you go to med school, freckle face? How about you, zit boy? Did you do you have a, a, a doctorate in uh, medicine? How about you, uh, chubby chicken? You don't know. Hey, look, look at this. Let me check my uh, flimblods uh, to make sure the uh, carteroid tetrials are all in place. Up yours, PhD. Not so. Don't try to. You know, bend me into your licorice whip and slap me around on the back seat of a movie theater because uh, daddy don't party on uh, Twinkle Street. See, again, folks, I gave you a chance probably about 15 minutes ago to duck out of this podcast. There's no real reason you need to expose yourself to this idiot, entities. Another word that you have you have no proof that it doesn't exist. Sure, pull out a dictionary. Idiots at Socrates. Sure, might not be in a dictionary you have now, but if you don't think the Greeks used that word, idiot to Socrates. I mean, anything with kates in it, the Greeks tossed it around. So yeah, get on your high Oxford dictionary horse, leaf through it right from A to Z. From uh, aardvark to zebra, because aardvark is the first uh, word in the English dictionary, and zebra is the last. And I'm just going to stick by that, because I know probably 98% of you aren't going to check it. So there it is. But the ones that do check it, you're going to know what I just said is a load of greasy BS. But um, anyways, look. This isn't about language. I'm talking about health. And it's incumbent on all of us. It's very important for all of us for our mental health. And again, for your mental health, if I were you, I would check out of this podcast like immediately. Like just distance distance yourself. Like a, like a little Vietnamese boy running down an empty road looking for some mongoose feathers or whatever Vietnamese children do. I would just run. I would get the hell away. But some of you are stubborn. Some of you are going to stay for the spectacle, for the carnival, for whatever it is that's happening here, and that's okay. But don't come to me with medical bills uh, psychiatry bills, mental health bills, uh, prescription drug medicine bills. Don't lay those on my doorstep because you kind of, you know, your head went a little after listening to my ramblings. You know, uh, my ramblings aren't cohesive. They're not normal. And if you stay and engage and absorb them and something goes, that's on you. You ever pick up a? You ever pick up a bottle of pills? There's a warning on it. Do not take too many, or else. Cigarettes. Do not smoke. You will get cancer. There's all kinds of warnings, but it's up to you whether you heed the warnings. And by the way, heed another word like ilk. I think somewhere on the planet there's a large grazing animal, a large mammal with hoofed feet called the heed, and I think it could be in Scotland. I think there's such an animal, there's such a beast as the Scottish heed. There's a herd of heed over that there 
crop of rocks and boulders. They've been grazing all day, chewing the grass from the tallness down to the stubble. The Scottish heed, the most tenderest meat on the moors. It feels like it's been slapped around by a butter monster. It's so, it's so tender. Aye, the tender veal of a fucking heed cow. Just like a giant sat on a squishy fucking car seat and did tapioca pudding farts all over it. I, folks, again, I'm, I'm giving you the chance to bail out of this podcast. Now, how, how many times? Wow. You know, this is on you now. It's not on me. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a boat after it's rained or there's a hole in the boat, but it's called bailing, folks. Squish, squash. There's water in the boat. Squish, squat. You bail. Why do you bail a boat out so you stay afloat, so you survive, so you don't drown? But if you want to drown in what I'm presenting here, I can't stop it. If you want to keep going on this journey across the waters of the Harland Highway, so be it. Live dangerously. What are you doing right now? Sitting on your couch with a bag of cheese puffs? How about you, glump teeth? What are you doing right now? Probably sucking down a can of uh, ranch-style Pringles, just one-timing it? Huh? Opening your mouth like a shell station glory hole and just letting that whole stack go down your throat like a demented Pringle pelican? Yeah. How about you, gravy, gravy lips? What are you doing? And I don't want to seem like I'm getting angry here, but I just, you know, I want us all to be accountable for our actions. And sometimes if someone gives you a warning, if someone throws up a red flag, it, it, sometimes you might want to heed it. Ah, the mighty heed just grazing over, over the valley. There's a big herd of heed grazing in the valley, chewing the crops. Every now and then one of them gets a grasshopper stuck in their throat and they start puking. They start puking grasshopper limbs and grasshopper eyes and grasshopper antennae. And why do grasshoppers have antennae? Because they get the best TV and phone reception of all the mighty insects. Again, folks, run. Put on your golf shoes and run like Tiger Woods with a bucket of fucking freeze-dried fucking onion capers. <laughs> I don't even know what those are. Why are you still here? You're here because I'm going to talk to you about health, mental health. And aren't I just the guy to discuss mental health and physical health? I am the guy because here's what I try to do to keep healthy. We all should engage in physical activity. I don't know if you if you lift weights, if you curl dumbbells, if you if you jog, if you play tennis, I don't know. But as we get older, as we get younger, as we get involved in our busy lives, work, social events, parties, um, commitments, baptisms, weddings, circumcisions, wherever you have to run and go to, buying groceries, answering emails. Do we ever have time for ourselves anymore? No. But you need to stay active. You need to stay physical so that you remain healthy. See, here's where you're missing out. I'm looking out for Chial, and Chial is Cajun for you, Chial. Um, here's what you need to do. You need to engage in physical activity. Pick a sport, pick a gym, pick a treadmill, whatever it is. But I'm a guy that doesn't like the treadmill or the gym. I find it confining. I find it claustrophobic. I find it repetitive. I like to be out in the world. That's why I like tennis. It's outdoors. Golfing is outdoors. Swimming is outdoors. But here's the problem. Many, many sporting activities require a competitor, require a partner, require someone to play the game with. Pickleball, tennis, badminton, whatever it may be. Football, baseball, soccer, right? You, you need someone there. Racquetball, squash. You need someone else 
in order to compete against. It's hard to find someone that's at your level, that you're compatible with in a sports sense. It's hard to find someone who has the time to go out and do this stuff. Like, yeah, if your buddy Larry plays tennis with you once every six weeks, are you really in a fitness regiment? Or are you just sort of, you know, teasing a heart attack? Be honest. So we're all in this dilemma where how do we engage in sporting activities without relying on another person but yet find something that's challenging and fulfilling and competitive enough to service us physically and mentally because sports is a mental game as well. And so I'd been having trouble finding a tennis partner, a golf partner, any type of partner to participate in sports. And I thought, what can I do? What sport can I get involved with that stimulates me, challenges me, and is fun and exciting? And I looked around, I looked around in the field of sports, and I finally found one. I found one I could do on my own. I didn't need a lot of equipment. I didn't need the presence of anyone else. And it's been a tough one. It's one I didn't think I could, I could take on and conquer. And I'll be honest, I'm still learning. I'm still sort of training myself. But the good news is it's, it is a sport you can do on your own. It's a sport that requires one piece of equipment, and you can almost do it anywhere. Here it is. I took up pole vaulting. And if, if, you're, if a light's going off in your head and you're going, not a sport, well, go watch the Olympics, okay? Uh, go rent a VHS machine and find some Olympic VHS tapes and stuff them in and watch them. Uh, pole vaulting is a sport. And so uh, I went out and I got myself a, a pole. Um, how long? Okay, I got the one that's sort of the official professional size, a 17-footer, 17-foot pole vault. And by the way, about the same height as the average giraffe. So needless to say, I've been having trouble. Yeah, a little bit of trouble on the bus, on the subway, um, going to and from my practice sessions, my, my training. Uh, not easy. Not easy to get on a public bus. You know, luckily these, these poles have a bend in them. They're very flexible. And if I can get about nine or 10 volunteers on said bus to kind of let me feed it in the door and then seven or eight to kind of bend it to the side, we can kind of warp it in the front door. You know, the, the bus doors open, and then I like shove it in and then the bus driver takes the, the front of the pole, bends it. And then seven or eight people, hey, a little help inside, pole vaulter in, in training, help. And seven or eight people get up, grab the tip, they bend it. Okay, so now it's bending. And then I'm pushing uh, from behind. And eventually, luckily, most city buses are, uh, I think they're about uh, 25 feet long. And so we just get that thing in there. And yeah, I've hit a few people in the head. Uh, my poles hit some people. And sometimes it's sna- when you get in it, you know, it snaps. You know, it, it doesn't break, but it, you're sending in a 17-foot pole with a bend. And when it gets all the way through the door, it comes around and you're, you know, sometimes it'll repeatedly slap the driver in the head. It'll be like, you know, and then. His driving's not that great for the rest of the day, but that's it. Look, I've got a train. So here I am, and then I'll, and getting in the subway, not easy. Um, but, you know, I got to do what I got to do to stay healthy. So then I'll, I'll get out the bus, and then I'll go to a certain area of the city, and uh, I'll just start vaulting. And uh, it's a little precarious, you know. I'll just be like running down the street. I've got this 17 foot pole, and. Look, we all know when someone's coming out of a doorway when they're like two, three feet away. We hear the door open. We see them. It's like, oh, oh, excuse me. You know, you're walking down the sidewalk and someone comes out of their apartment. Oh, you know, right. 
you avoid the collision because you hear you have audible um, audible tones that that help you uh, recognize that someone's coming out. But when you are literally holding a 17-foot pole vault by its back like three feet, and you've seen you've seen us, you've seen us vaulters, our us PVers. We hold most of we hold the, the least amount of the pole at the back and the rest. So I've got about 15, 16 feet out in front of me. And you have a person come out of their apartment door or getting out of a car, and you're almost going to spear them. I mean, I remember when I, one day, I don't know if you've ever seen a shish kebab. It's, it's like a Mediterranean uh, meat dish. They get a skewer, and they put mushrooms and then cubes of pork and beef and a, maybe a shrimp and a pepper and another mushroom. And, a, you know, it, it's like a... And I'll remember one day I came home from being out in the street pole vaulting, and I had, I had uh, two babies and three boarding school kids, just and an old lady on the tip. It was like if I could dedicate them to a food group, it would be mushroom, mushroom, pepper, shrimp, mushroom, uh, eggplant, the old lady eggplant, and they were just skewered. And it's, you know, is it fair to me that when I get home I have to, you know, pry these these people and i'm gonna say annoying people off of my pole and just put them out by the sidewalk yes but look gang did uh did, did hussein bolt uh become the fastest man in the world and win multiple gold medals by sitting around on his couch and not training did did mark spitz uh win all his gold medals in the 70s swimming by just uh Laying around? Uh, did Tom Brady win 23 Super Bowls by, uh, you know, sitting on a carrot and twirling around in his garden? No. It's called training. So things happen. Sacrifices have to be made. And so here's, you know, this is just one of them. Every now and then you skewer people. I'm not going to let anything or anybody get in the way of my training and my, my professional athletic goals so it's not an easy sport so uh, props to me kudos to me for putting in the time and effort and you know the running is just the beginning of it i mean then you have to find a a a wedge or a jam point i call it to stick your pole so that as you're running when it hits the pole you start to go up in the air with your pole vault and uh, I've had my, my pole vault stick in some weird places, um, a sewer grate. Um, one time I was pole vaulting in a park, didn't see someone suntanning on their belly, fat guy. Uh, boom. Wow. Uh, never heard a scream quite like that before. Let's just say the first foot and a half of my pole vault when I got home was not very shiny anymore. But uh, my God, the, the 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 elevation you get. I mean, you're talking. You're you're propelling yourself 17 feet into the sky. I mean, when you're a learner like me, when you're a beginner, when you're an amateur, uh, holy God, I've gone through people's windows. Uh, I landed at a at a Thanksgiving dinner one year. I was out uh, practicing, doing uh, some practicing out on the street. Lost control, went right through a seventh story apartment landed in an empty seat at a Thanksgiving dinner. Were they going to disrupt their family get-together just for a pole vaulter, a strange pole vaulter? I don't think so. Some of the family flew in from uh, places afar. And if a guy plops down in blue blue shorts and a, and a wife beater t-shirt and and he, there's enough food to go around yeah i okay i had thanksgiving with a family i didn't even know but the, you know these are the these are the sacrifices you're going to make when you're dedicated to your sport now look in my eyes gang i'm a pole vaulter um did i land in a bedroom one night in the middle of uh sexual intercourse yes i landed on a couple I went right through the window while they were in the middle of coitus. And I don't even know what coitus means, but I think it could be a small Mediterranean fish. The coitus fish. 
Um, again, we're finding words that were never meant to be real words, but were in fact supposed to be uh, members of the animal kingdom. We have the the ilk, we have the uh, the coitus, and I forget that other fat fucking Scottish cow I talked about, but I, you know what I mean, the ham or something. It started with an H, I think. So anyhow, I landed in in bed with a couple that were mid-sexual intercourse, uh, missionary position, and I sort of landed right beside them. And uh, they looked over, and they saw me there, and I looked back at them, and there was a very awkward silence. It was one of these hot summer nights where they left their window open, so is it really my fault? You know, maybe I could have been like a bird that flew into a window. Had they not left the window open, I would have flown up with my pole vault, smashed against the glass, and just slid down. I get it. Hot, humid summer night, crickets chirping. Leave the window open while we make sweet summer love. And unbeknownst to you, here comes a wannabe amateur pole vaulter right through your window. Land in the bed. About a 30, 40 second awkward, silent pause. Just kind of like, you know, one of those eyes. She was on the bottom, missionary position. Which, by the way, missionary position has always befuddled me. Because missionary, doesn't that imply priests like going to weird places to do missionary work? And aren't priests supposed to uh, abstain or whatever the word is from sexual activity? So, therefore, won't a missionary position just be two people laying on top of each other without penetration or any physical gyrating or humping movements? Shouldn't um, missionary position just literally be laying on top of each other, reading passages of the Bible to one another? perhaps doing it provocatively just to create sexual tension. So anyways, I, I pull vault through the window, land in their bed, laying beside them. They look over, 45-second awkward beat. The man and the woman look at me, sweat dripping down their faces. They, they, they paused their, their sexual activity And they stared at me, and I didn't know what was going to happen next. And both of them at the same time, they must have just been so connected. They simultaneously just said, you up for a threesome? And here I am laying there in my blue shorts, my wife beater, my pole, you know, in the window. And... They invite me to a threesome, and I just, another awkward pause, about 15 seconds, and I just looked at them. And a beautiful couple, by the way, very physically attractive, toned, sexy. And I looked at them, and and this is the dedication I have to the sport. They said, do you want a threesome? And I just stared at them very earnestly, and I said, I'm in training. And I got up. And, okay, I slapped the guy on the ass. The guy, his, it was right there. It was practically glowing in the moonlight, gang. What, what would you do? You there, uh, cinder block lips. Yeah, you. What, what, what would you do? You're, you're, you're in your blue shorts. You got your wife beater on. Your, your pole vault sticking out of the window calling to you. You're in training. You get up politely out of the bed. You're walking around, and there's this a pair of white buttocks bathed in moonlight and not only moonlight but a summer harvest moon so there's a little tinge of orange it's like they're almost like opal opal butt cheeks and yeah it's just, i slapped one but when someone invites you to a threesome they've sort of opened the door to sexual activity and so for me to just do, do an out the door amateur pole vaulter slap i think that was appropriate and i got no protest from the fuckers, from the couple. So I get, I get on my, my stick, I slide back down, and I call it a day, and, and I go, the, these are the, 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 pot, the potholes of the job. 
These are the dangers of the job. These are the unpredictable things of trying to be a pole vaulter. And so I, what do you do? You get back on your horse? No, you get back on your pole. And so the next day I'm out again and I'm pole vaulting down the street. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm taking these like 45-foot leaps. It's like, it's like when the Incredible Hulk jumps through a city. I was just like, whew, whew. well, guess what? I'm not that familiar with the flight patterns of geese. They fly in a V for some reason. I don't know if they're out hunting for vagina. I don't know if they're horny. I don't know if they're going to Vermont or Virginia. Why they fly in a letter, I don't know. Maybe they're going to Sesame Street. I don't know why wild animals would form a letter in the sky. Do you ever see a W or an S or an H go by? No. For some reason, they like the V. They must be trying to tell us something. I think based on the power of the human vagina, the power that the vagina has over men and society in general, I've got to believe, and Audubon can challenge me on this, I've got to believe that the reason birds fly in a V is they're on a pussy hunt. And I'm not trying to be crass, gang. By the way, crass, a small marsupial that lives in the forests of the rainforests of northern Australia. The crass. And uh, none of you can challenge that because there's uh, many unknown species in rainforests. So you, you can say, well, it doesn't exist. But then I go, well, doesn't it? Who are you to, there's thousands of undocumented species in a rainforest. So who are you to refute the crass? You're not anybody. You're, you're a loaf of bread blowing in a yeast storm. And I mean you there, uh, parsley tits. And I'm, look, folks, I'm, I know who's watching my podcast. When I point to you and I call you out by name, yeah, I know you're watching. So just let's stop playing the game. Like when I point to you and you go, oh, me? me? Yeah, you, parsley tits. And how about you over there, gingerbread twat? I, I see you. Maybe some podcasters have these one-way camera deals. I have a two-way camera situation. So, yeah, you can see me, but I see you. Yeah, over there, huh? Bronchial asthma t- t- ass. There you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I get up and I, I'm flying. I get up. I'm at the peak of my 17 feet, but then you add my body. I'm a six-footer. So you add 17 plus six. Now you're at 23 feet. And if you don't think you're going to run into a fly, a low-flying flock of pussy-hunting Canadian geese at that altitude then I'd tell you to go uh, sneak into your grandmother's bedroom in the middle of the night, uh, put a lettuce wrap on her face, and smash her in the face with a Home Depot shovel. I mean, gang, this isn't science. <laughs> Come on. So, so anywho, I go flying up in the air. I'm training. Bam, Canadian goose right in the face. And holy God, if you think a Canada goose is small, these things these things are big. These things weigh about probably, I'm going to say about 30, 40 pounds. And damn, I got wanked right in the face with a Canadian goose. And what was, what was really horrible is this was the lead goose. This was the lead goose at the tip of the vagina of the flying V. He was right here. He was the, 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 probably the clit goose. Because, you know, that's the clit's always right at the tip, right? So it was the lead clit goose, Canadian clit goose, bam, right in the head. And what that did, it displaced all the other birds, and they splintered off. There was probably about 80 of them. And now I said birds don't fly in other letters, but guess what? When these birds splintered off, I guess they weren't happy that I disrupted their migration they splintered off and formed a sentence, and it said, fuck you. I mean, you always think Canadians are plight, but hello, Canadian geese. So, boom, splinters off, becomes they go from the letter V to forming a full set. When I disrupted their pattern, 
boom, when they regrouped, they were a flying fuck off. And it was aimed at me. I knew. I knew it was aimed at me. They wanted me to fuck off, but I was like, you fuck off. I just took out your clit. Your lead, your lead, the clit, the clit goose. And as fate would have it, there was a family the last season that I flew through their window and interrupted their Thanksgiving dinner. And I don't know if you believe in karma, which, by the way, is a another hoofed mammal that lives in the Sahara Desert, a close relative subspecies of the Saharan camel, um, the karma. Um, I remembered their address, and now here I am with a full-fledged bird, okay, a 30-pound slab of meat with feathers on it dead you know it hit me in the forehead dead i mean that that's a bird can't take that kind of impact so here i go i go back to the home where i had the thanksgiving dinner uninvited ding dong they answered the door oh you again yes me again but i offer you a thanksgiving clit goose And their eyes lit up. I mean, uh, there was almost tears. So here I am, returned. They fed me bird due to a pole vaulting accident. And now here I was returning the sentiment. And I, in turn, gave them a huge edible beast, a bird for their Thanksgiving feast. A Canadian clit goose. And so this is the beauty. I was was telling you everything symbiotic, mental health services, uh, physical health. And I just believe it all turns into good, positive energy. And everything just came full circle. And boom. Um, So anyways, um, lots of interesting stuff. I'm not even going to go into the helicopter. Well, I'll tell you the helicopter story. And then I think I've been talking about this pole vaulting thing for about two or three minutes. So let's, uh, I was pole vaulting. This is the last one. There's many stories to my training, but I was pole vaulting and I went into the open. You ever seen these traffic helicopters with the open cockpits? They got the glass bubble and there's no doors. I, I, I'm pole vaulting. I go right into a traffic helicopter. And this is, this is maybe a good story where it wasn't disruptive. Um, now I'm flying over the city of Chicago. And I have an aunt that lives there. And it happened to be her birthday. And I winked at the, the pilot. Uh, you know, he was like, we got a traffic jam over on uh, Highway 25. There's going to be a, going to be backed up about four or five miles. You might want to take an alternate route. We got a sig alert. And I sort of whispered, I said, can I give a shout out to Aunt Carol? Aunt Carol, she's 75 today. And he gave me one of these because I, as it turns out later, we got talking back at the, at the helicopter pad that he did amateur pole vaulting in college. So when he saw what I was doing, the blue shorts and the, and um, so he goes, yeah, go ahead. And I go, so I get on the thing. I've got now. He lent me the headphones and the little thing, and I'm like, uh, "We've got we got a uh, traffic uh, we got a traffic uh, stop all the way back up here to Highway 75. Highway 75, 75 years old is what my aunt Carol is today. Happy birthday, Aunt Carol, from Harland. Loving kisses, and boy, oh boy, again. Now that's one of the positive pole vaulting stories but when when she phoned me later that day and she she had heard it she i mean she just the the sentimental moment we had because of it but this is what happens when you pursue your physical dreams and 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 so anyways i won't drone on about it you know it's not like i'm going to spend 20 minutes talking about pole vaulting even though I just did, but um, pick a sport, find a sport, get engaged, get healthy, and, uh, and live. Live and train and, and do what you do. And, and the last little remark I'm going to make is uh, I am going to be pole vaulting in the Olympics, uh, the next Olympics coming up in 2028, and uh, 
I'll be representing Greenland, the country of Greenland, because they they needed pole vaulters and because they, they they don't have any. I noticed my cans green. Now I did not plan this, gang, and this is the beauty of doing podcasts. Um, I said Greenland, and out of the peripheral vision of my eye, what what colors this can green? These are the happy surprises that happen when you podcast. You, you don't think they're going to happen to you. You don't think you're going to have kind of this weird moment where the stars align and just the things land in your lap. Gold, like podcast gold. Oh, let me read it. Uh, I'm pole vaulting in Greenland. Whoops, green. I don't know why God shines on me and makes me so lucky, but he does. Um. Good God, I think I droned on about pole vaulting way longer than 20 minutes. Hey, everybody, check out my merchandise at harbling.com. Yeah, most people just slap some letters or images on a T-shirt or a hoodie, but not me. Yours truly. Guess what? I draw my own designs at harbling.com. You can see tons of my hand-drawn T-shirts uh, you can either buy the original or you can buy a print. And uh, man, oh man, wear them loud and proud. Um, I love making these designs for you guys and uh, keeping it personal. So check out the whole uh, catalog. We got hoodies. We got coffee mugs. We got uh, T-shirts. You name it. It's there at harbling.com. Get your uh, Harland original design, wearable art at harbling.com today and uh thank you for your support and i'll just keep the uh the groovy images coming i'm gonna talk about something i saw on tiktok and it has to do with these kids that that you watch tiktok you're scrolling through and there's the 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 goofy dog on a skateboard there's the girl in the bikini there's the the guy's doing donuts in the parking lot. There's the, the, the latest news story from the world of politics. And then you get some nine-year-old kid or 20-year-old kid who suddenly thinks they're Tom Brokaw or, or Wolf Blitzer or Bill O'Reilly or somebody or Tucker Carlson. All of a sudden, some kid in his basement is going, and it looks like nuclear fusion is now going to be the, right? They've got some like startling headline or some a groundbreaking headline, or it looks like uh, President Netanyahu is planning a secret mo- military movement, uh, like somehow this kid in his basement in, in Cleveland has a giant news scoop. And I'm like, kid, fuck off, okay? Fuck, you don't know anything. Where are you getting this from? Why are you delivering it? Am I really going to take any any serious news from you? So I don't know why I don't know if the, these kids get numbers doing this or whatever it is, but sh- shut up and f off. Here's the latest news from me to you. Uh, this just in: kids uh, giving uh, news reports on TikTok. Uh, fuck off. Let me say that again: fuck off. So. I think it's time for me to f off. I've, I've been. I felt like we had a good good talk today. Um, please subscribe. Please subscribe to the Harland Highway podcast. We now that I'm back, um, I'm lining up a whole new bunch of great guests for the podcast. Uh, we're going to get right back into gear. I'll keep you posted on any news about Wingman. We're going into the editing process now. You know, with all movies, you never know when or where they're going to come out. But I will keep you abreast. I will keep you a thigh, and I will keep you a wing if you want. Um, and, uh, hopefully it comes out well, we'll see you shoot something and you throw everything into a bowl and you throw it around. You hope it comes out good, but based on the, the, uh, time that I had there and, and the material, I, I think we might've shot a funny movie. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. Um, eventually we'll probably put up a website and an Instagram page and, and I'll let you know when that comes around too. Um, and uh, we'll keep you posted on the wingman. 
Um, but thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do it. We're inching up towards 60,000 uh, subscribers, which is just fantastic. Thank you to all of you. Um, tell your friends. Uh, share the links to the Harland Highway podcast. Uh, look, folks, it's all about making people laugh. And I want everyone to laugh. Okay? This isn't just for you, corn on the cob lips, Donnie. This is we want as many people laughing as possible. That's that's what this 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 platform is all about. Make them laugh. It's free, so let's get it out there to anyone you know and see if they're interested in it and want to have a laugh. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. Hope you have some laughs and some maybe the odd insight. I mean, you probably didn't know about the the secret world of pole vaulters until today. Insight free. Go suck a rhubarb sandwich. Don't know why I threw the last part in, but I was in a rhythm. My head was going like this, and I thought, why don't I just throw in, go suck a rhubarb sandwich? Do rhubarb sandwich exist? No. But again, I warned you 45 minutes ago to get the hell out, but you didn't. You stayed, and what do you get for your trouble? I throw a rhubarb sandwich at you. Go suck it, go eat it, go roll it around in some gravel and sit in a park with a herd of pigeons and peck at it with your stupid, stinky, fish tank bubbling face, okay? (laughs) Oh, we better get to the theme music. Um, That's it for today, gang. Uh, Thank you so much for being here on uh, on the Holland Highway podcast. Um, had a blast. Love talking to you guys. Um, stay tuned for more great guests, more great shows. And uh, as always, be careful when you're out there uh, pole vaulting. And until next time, chicken chow man, baby.